It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome into the Smoky Mountain Organics VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Again, brought to you by Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies. Three locations located in East Tennessee and one right here in Knoxville. That's at 8018 Kingston Pike. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, subscribe, follow us there, and of course, the front page of VolQuest.com and the General Quarters. Got a lot going on. Got plenty of submissions for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Awesome price. Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. We'll start with C.D. Vol. Your thoughts on Greg Sankey wanting to expand the NCAA basketball tournament? I think it's a terrible idea. There is nothing wrong with the tournament in its current format. Rob Lewis, why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm 68 with the playing games. I, I think it's hard to improve upon. And really, how many... I mean, there's always a, a couple of storylines every year about, you know, this bubble team or that bubble team got, got left out. But, you know, really how many ultra-deserving teams are, are sitting at home every year in March? And, you know, I, and and that's part of it. I mean, the the race to get in, the, the pressure to get in. And, you know, I think you, you water it down a little bit if you, if you expand it past where it is now. Yeah, I, I like the fact that, you know, there are, guys, there are teams left out. Then there's that euphoria of the teams that weren't sure and then got in. At, the, at that point, you're just basically everybody's getting in. And, you know, I, I, you know that, you know, some team that may get left home potentially can win a couple of games and get to the, the third round. But at the same time, I mean, they had every chance to, to do that in the regular season. So, um, I'm with Rob. I think you you leave it the way it is, and and it just makes it more special. I mean, it makes it more special if you're able to get in. Yeah, and the one the the only the one thing that I can kind of see it is those mid major teams that have fantastic years, and you know it's a one bid league. You know, if you don't win your conference tournament, you're not getting in. You dominate your league all year, and you slip up, and you know, in in the first weekend in March, but the conferences themselves can fix that if they want to. I mean, that's not an NCAA rule. They're given those bids to the, they've chosen to give those automatic bids to the tournament champion. And it's within their power to, you know, alleviate that if they want to. I mean, it's kind of like when Bass Master Ball asks like a a 12 part question, when Hubs answers it, he feels special that Hubs took the time to answer. That's so weak. That's so terrible. The, the point is – Not as terrible as your wing-ding joke on the other day. <laughs> that's because you weren't paying attention. You didn't get it. So, uh, you were looking at somebody walking across the, the complex there uh, while we were taping that. I, I don't see the point in devaluing the um, regular season. I, I think you have attendance concerns as it is. Uh, why devalue the regular season? In terms of the mid-major deal, I, there's a part of me that thinks the tournament's too big. Because the Power Five conference tournaments are pointless. There's no point in playing those things at, at this point because they don't put any value in it. Uh, but championship week with those mid-major conferences uh, that are getting one bid and it goes to that tournament champion. I mean, there's a lot of drama. That's good. That's good. Uh, that, that's a good product. That's you know that captivates an audience. Uh, I think the more you add to it, the, the more you uh, weaken the, the the regular season and, and I think that's a concern in basketball as it is when it, when you talk about trying to get fans in the stands from November to the tournament starts in March. We'll go down to recruiting awesome price. This is from the Baron A. Fanis. Who are the top five targets out there right now that can be committed or uncommitted? 
top five targets that are committed or uncommitted? Yeah, I mean, they could be committed or who are the top five targets Tennessee's after right now? Committed or uncommitted? Well, committed I mean, to other schools, yeah, AP. Yeah. Okay. You know, that, that Tennessee would swing after. Oh, um, David Hobbs, uh, Bison Lang. I'm going to go Lucas Simmons just because they need another tackle and you can't hang everything on Bison Lang. Kildrick Falk. And uh, I'll go Roderick Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, there's just not many names. Now, here's what's about to happen. Tennessee's board is small right now. It's going to grow the next like three, four weeks. You know, it's, it's going to it's going to get bigger. You're going to see more names because the high school football season starts this week in some states, next week and others, and two weeks from now and others. But like you're going to see these first two, three, four games where all these schools go, ooh, senior film. Who's grown? Who didn't go to camp this summer? Who we missed out on? And then they'll go, oh, this guy I really like. Oh, this guy not so much you know, so on and so forth. So I think the number of names that we're talking about come Florida week and the number of names we talk about now are going to drastically change. Austin here, I'll ask it this way uh, as a follow-up to his question is the, is the, if you're going to take five, say you're going to take five more guys. I know you can take more than that, depending on where you're at with 85 position of need. Is it defensive tackle, defensive tackle, then offensive tackle, Yes, and then Maybe best available. And the best, the available. best available. Okay. So so running back, if there's a great running back available, you would take that, but not necessarily the top priority there. Priority being offensive tackle, defensive tackle, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, okay. I, I just think Tennessee, like Darnell Wright's not going to be on this football team a year from now. Um, you know, even though he's young enough to where he could be and it wouldn't really affect him long term, I just think he's going to play this year, play well enough, he's going to go to the draft. So you you need more tackles. You know, and you and you know, I think that Tennessee will probably look to the to the portal for that need. Um, but you know, I, I think when you're talking about just straight high school kids, yeah, defensive tackle, defensive tackle, offensive tackle, and then just best available. And and if if they could get a Roderick Robinson, they sure would take him. They're not going to just take a back to take a back. Okay. We'll go now to Vol in SC. What changes would you like to see made to simplify and help prevent staff and recruiting personnel burnout? which is chasing some coaches out of the college game. Uh, he goes on to say uh, he mentions a couple of different scenarios, maybe like an Olympic sports model where kids can camp but don't have the ability to commit or even get an offer until their junior year. But any changes in the recruiting calendar or kind of how they go about that that you'd like to see uh, made? Brent, we'll go with you. Well, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. Um, I, I think the early signing date has done nothing but add two months to the – two or three months to the recruiting calendar because you brought uh, official visits into play in the spring and, and the June's become the, the month of, of committed, you know, making commitments with the one-time transfer rule. Rob, you, you've got to recruit your current roster every year to try to keep them intact. Uh, then you've got the NIL money on top of that. Uh, I don't know what you do to the calendar. I mean, aside from just completely blowing it up um, and, and starting – you know, completely over. I, I don't know what you do with the calendar. I don't think you can say you can't. Uh, you got rules in place now where you can't formally offer until um, you know a certain date via the letter, but you can verbally offer a kid as early as you want to do. So that's not going to stop anything that way. I, I I don't know the answer to this question, but I think it's a real concern. There, there's there's no answer. You can't put the toothpaste toothpaste back in the tube on how you you know because the verbal offer is what everybody goes off anyways. I mean the whole like you know. July 1st, 
August 1st, September 1st, all, all those dates that, you know, you can start making calls with seniors or officially offer a kid or whatever, like all that's just window dressing. I mean, like, that's not really a real thing. Like they send out a graphic, the kid tweets it out, but the kid's known he's had an offer for a year and a half or six months or two months or two weeks, whatever, before that date gets here. Um, to stop coaching burnout, I think you have to have reform on NIL because it is so the wild, wild west. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's really out of control. I mean, like it's out of control with, with the money slash, you know, there's nobody actually representing these kids in most instances. So it's, it's a guessing game and it's, you know, it's, you're having to play a little cat and mouse. And I mean, from, so yeah, I just think ultimately, and then you got the, you know, schools that are going out there and they're having other, their own players kind of like, you know, try to cherry pick players from other schools. It's, that's what's going to drive these coaches out. It's like just the, they, no matter what, there's always something coming up every day. It's an issue with one of these kids about this stuff. We'll go to robot. Here's, here, here's the other thing too. I, I would, I would wonder, and, and I don't know that this helps. And, and Rob, anybody, Rob, AP, anybody can chime in here. Just eliminate the February signing date. Just eliminate and make January and February dead. You go out for spring evaluations. You got January. You basically have from signing day in December through till, till spring evaluations when you get out on the road in March is dead in terms of seeing people or going out on the road. And then you've got that window in July. It doesn't stop recruiting because you're always making phone calls, Rob, but at least it keeps you at home for another, for another few weeks. I, I just – you know, I, I don't think the January deal is, I mean, quote, you're getting ahead on future classes, but I think, I don't think that's any different than going out and seeing guys in a spring evaluation period. Yeah. I mean, for the sake of coaches, I, I, I think that makes all the sense in the world. I just don't see it happening. I mean, I'm like AT. I don't, I don't, I don't see him walking anything back. Well, I, my thing is, is that you have to have two signing dates. I don't think you can just do December because well, I, because I think certain kids are not going to be able to, to fit in academically into that December window. Um, and so I think what you're going to have is, is a, a certain number of kids that, you know, that need that February window. So I'm not saying that you have to keep February hover. I'm saying maybe you do like an April, like almost like basketball, like do an April deal where they go out, they see you, you know, in, in, in January and, you know, you do like an April deal instead of then. You know. Then you got to recruit them three more months. I mean, I, I think you can do a December only. I mean, even the most academic risk guys are signing in December. If 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 your academic counselors are putting guys on track, I mean, James Pierce was one of those, right? I mean, they had a track. I mean, Tennessee did a good job with his academic plan to get him to where they felt comfortable he was going to qualify. So they went ahead and signed him in December. They didn't wait and see what his transcript looked like in January to sign him. I just don't think there's enough kids signing in February to justify. I mean, nobody's going out. All they're doing is maybe babysitting two guys in January, and the rest of the time is going by all these high school to see, you know, whatever the next two-year cycle is. That's all that January is accomplishing now. It's basically extending the evaluate the spring evaluation period into the winter. Is what I see out of the is what I see out of the January, the, the month of January at this point in recruiting. But that's just my opinion. I don't think they'll change it. And, and again, you got to still talk to kids on the phone. But during that time, you're you're dealing with transfer issues with your own team. 
Um, you're babysitting two guys who might not have signed because of NIL stuff. Uh, and then you're spending all your time going and looking at guys two years down the road, which I think you can do in the springtime. Let's now go to Robo 22. We know this offense can get people open, especially on the outside. I'm curious if you five are expecting to see any, uh, any new wrinkles in this offense. Brent, I know we've talked about this a lot over the offense on the pod, something to get the running backs, tight ends more involved in the passing game, get out more in space. Can we expect to see these speedy new additions in some month and some fun misdirectional plays to use that speed as an advantage? I, look, if this team's better in short yardage and they're better in the red zone, then that's the two areas where they need to improve. They didn't have any trouble with explosive plays. They didn't have to. They didn't have to gimmick anybody up and and run crazy misdirection stuff. I think Hooker will be better in the middle of the field, so the tight ends will be a little bit more involved. But I, I mean, I didn't. Other than other than not getting third and short converted, Eric, and and, and maybe not finishing some in the red zone. I mean, their offense was as as dynamic and as explosive as any offense in the country. Yeah, I mean, it was a top ten offense last year. Um, you had a quarterback that was top five in quarterback rating, uh, beat out of the Heisman Trophy winning Bryce Young, and in terms of quarterback rating. So I understand where you're getting at, but the offense is pretty pretty unique as it was. This kind of leads me in now. Let's flip over to defense. Another question from uh bra jp minion <laughs> uh, do you believe that third down defense will be the difference between eight and four ten and two if so how confident are you and then he goes into some different scenarios more importantly third down defense it, it was atrocious last year tennessee was one of the nation leaders in tackles for laws got him in third and you know mid or third and long and, and then gave up a third down I, I think that for tennessee to take a step regardless if that's another win on the on the schedule two wins whatever it is You've got to improve red zone, like you mentioned, but also on third down defense. That's just a must, wouldn't you say, Austin Price? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you know, you have to you, – you just hope you're better. I mean, how, what's better? I mean, fractionally better, marginally better. I, I don't see them being drastically better. But, I mean, can you just improve on what you did a year ago, which is be able to get off the field, be able to – you know, get your offense back out there and save your own legs. And so it kind of works, you know, twofold, Hubbard. Tennessee needs to be better on third down offensively, and they need to be better on third down defensively, and and both help the defense. Got to get to the quarterback, plain and simple. If you want to be better on third down defense, you got to get to the quarterback, Rob Lewis. Without bringing that, the house. I mean, that's yeah, that's my biggest four. thing. Yeah, you, you got to – Go ahead, Rob. Sorry. I'm going to say I'm cheating because I, I I looked this up or something the other day. And so I know this Tennessee forced opponents into more third downs than any other team in the SEC except for Georgia. And then they, but then they also gave up more third down conversions than any team in the SEC. And the only team worse they get off the field was Missouri. I think Tennessee was 42%. Missouri was 43 or 44% in allowing conversions. And that's, that's just a big number. Yep. And, I mean and that, and, that, and that, Georgia played two more games. Georgia's stats, those 239 third downs faced in, in 15 games. Tennessee faced 216 in 13 games. I mean, it, it, and it could be the difference in a win or two. There's no, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, I think that is the biggest step that, that has to be made for this program is can they get off the field in, in third and obvious situations. Last year when it was third and obvious, to get there, Tennessee still had to to bring pressure, which opened them up for big plays, and um, you know because it put them in man to man situations in the back end, and they they couldn't disguise a whole lot. That you know, Mike Eckler's talking up those Leos, you know, this week. Can those guys get to the quarterback? 
That that's the million dollar question. But you got Eckler, who, who's uber positive. Then you got Rodney, who's you know, <laughs> Eeyore dumps at all times. <laughs> I mean, like it's, it's why he and I are boys, right, AP? <laughs> can you imagine those two in a room, like discussing it? I think he's a first rounder. And he's not going to be drafted. Can you, can you imagine, just not even football, can you imagine, like, disgusting traffic? Oh, man, it's going to take us four hours to get there if we go that way. There's, you know, we're, there's no way we're going to make it. And the funny thing about it is they are literally in the same meeting room every single day coaching the same position group. So that is so – I like to be a, a fly on the wall watching that as well. Uh, let's go to Athron. A couple of recruiting questions here. Can, can you explain how LSU – Bungled the Matthews recruitment twice. Glad we got him. Just curious. Um, AP, I know LSU could always be a factor, and it still will be down to signing day. But, I mean, this was this was Tennessee, Texas with Matthews. Yeah. I mean, LSU's not in it. They haven't been in it. Um, they continue to call, and their phone calls are greeted with, you know, a classy response. But, you know, Jordan's doing his own thing. So, you know, for me, like, you know, they, they they screwed up out of the gate. They were slow. And then, you know, I, I just don't think that they handled things the right way. Hey, that happens here. That happens everywhere. Like, I mean, recruiting home state kids are really is really hard because, you know, home state you know, kids are more apt to jump in the boat, even if it's not maybe what it was 15 or 20 years ago. Um, and then, you know, they, they, they tend to penalize you. You know, Georgia is about the only state where that really doesn't – they don't – the kids don't penalize you in that state as bad. Uh, Alabama's probably a close second um, for being slow to offer. Yeah, and when you're going through a coaching change, sometimes that makes it really hard, right? I mean, it's you look at Josh Heupel's arrival at Tennessee. That was a really good class. They swung on some guys, didn't get them, couldn't get in the door with some of them, yep. uh, didn't, didn't call quick enough on some others in some people's opinions. Uh, you got the same thing going on in Baton Rouge, you know? I mean, Brian Kelly's sitting there trying to put a class together. Well, where's he going to go? He's going to go with guys he's talked to. He's going to go to schools where he's got relationships with, and he didn't have a whole bunch of relationships with people in Baton Rouge. Now, what's interesting is the head coach is an LSU guy, you know, and former LSU quarterback and Marcus Randall. But, um, you know, I, I think LSU was working on – other relationships they had out of the state when they first got there and it put them behind with Jordan Matthews and they couldn't play catch up. Another question here, AP, and this might be impossible to answer right now, but <laughs> any prospects, the staff that you know of are waiting to see some senior film on? I mean, I think Traylon Ray, I mean, Tennessee's recruiting him. They're planning on bringing him in for the Alabama game. You know, if he comes out of the gates gangbusters, they may up that, you know, to the Florida game. And, and, you know, why not? I mean, you have a much better chance to beat the Gators than you probably do Alabama at this point. Um, so, and, and, you know, it just makes sense to, you know, kind of take a wait and see approach, um, you know, but that's kind of where I think Tennessee is. I mean, I think Tennessee will be, you know, watching game film on a couple of guys, um, you know, just to kind of see how they do, but Traylon Ray would be right there at the top for me. Another question, anything to worry about, about the players who are off working to the side and no pads at practice, or is it just maintenance related stuff to keep them healthy for the season? I can answer this, and please jump in if if, if y'all want to. I mean, a lot of it's precaution. A lot of it is maintenance. Um, I mean, there's just no – especially with older guys, there's just no sense in you – know, this is this was practice 14 yesterday. Uh, you are 14 days away from from kickoff. So, yeah, those Latrell Bumpuses, those – you know, some of these older guys, no sense of being out there 
uh, every single day when you don't have to. Jabari Small not practicing a whole lot in the scrimmage the other day, just kind of stuff like that. But obviously, Brent, there are some guys who have been banged up a little bit. Jalen Wright slowly working back in. There's a lot more red jerseys coming off scrimmage number two. I think a lot of it, they're just trying to play it safe and make sure everybody's healthy for week one. Yeah, I mean, I think Jalen Wright's a guy that they're being overly cautious with in hopes to have him ready to be 100% at pit. I don't know what he'll do in week one or won't do in week one. We'll see. He's going to go into week one without any contact. Of all those guys out there, you know, I think Kamal Haddon, just because it's been a, it's taken him a while to get back, that would be a little bit of a, exactly where is he. And then I think you throw Elijah Simmons in there as well because Elijah Simmons is a guy that seems to be slow to heal. So we'll see what happens with that. But a lot of those other guys are just maintenance guys that uh, they're going to continue to not take any chances on at, at this point um, because of either a previous injuries or they just don't have enough depth behind them that they feel great about. They don't feel like they can take that chance there. And I will say, I think if, if the head coach is mentioning your name specifically that you need to get on the practice field, that probably is a different deal. Like you did with Jimmy Callaway earlier this week and, and Squirrel White and Squirrel White was back out there, you know, you know, w- without the red jersey today. Yeah, Squirrel White was back out there on Wednesday, and uh, at least from Kamal Haddon and Elijah Simmons, they've been back this week. They've been, uh, at least while we're there, doing everything, you know, individual, dressed out in, in full pads. And Jalen Wright continues to uh, get some more work in with the running backs and individual. Uh, the Daily Brew question, any update on on Brew's eligibility at this point in time? Nope. Nope. Uh, are the coaches any more the optimistic? <laughs> Say what? The earth is getting bigger in the window. It really is. Are the coaches more optimistic Brew McCoy will be eligible at Pittsburgh game or by the Alabama game? Is it one of those where this could linger on in the season? It doesn't necessarily have to be week one. Any any talk about that? It, I, I think it's all or nothing. It's, what, it's just how it feels to me. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, again, you have two different routes here, Hubbard. You, you, you know, SC's got to dot I's and cross T's on their end. I don't know why it's taking so long. Um, it, you have another option to, to file an appeal um, with the NCAA. Now, that would be something where, like, it could happen two or three games in. But as far as the SC route, I think it's kind of all or nothing. I don't think they're going to magically dot the I's across the T's three games in. To me, it's either before the season or it's they're not doing it and you're having to try to win that appeal. Yeah, I would agree with that. We'll go to Pounding Thrill, uh, a recruiting question incorporated with name, image, likeness now. Rob and NAP can take this one. Uh, with NIL deals becoming more commonplace, should we expect to see less flips in commitments? Um, or is that something that we, I mean, leading up to signing day, I still feel like it's going to be as crazy as ever. No, I think, you know, you're going to see, you know, if anything, it would be the opposite, right? I mean, you have schools that come in there and throw a new NIL deal at player X, Y, or Z and, you know, Gonna make it tough for that kid to say no, or you know, then that kid, you know, is likely going back to whatever school he's committed to, saying, "Hey, this school's coming with me with this." You know, you're gonna have to up, well, you know, up up the deal. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and it's because in, in rare exceptions, except for the few, I, I don't. There's a handful of states where those nil deals can take effect while the kid's still in high school, but in the vast majority of cases you got an NIL in theory, you know, you haven't started reaping the rewards so you get of, uh, in, until you get here. So yeah, just like AP said, it, it leaves a window for somebody else to come in there and, you know, meet match or, or up or up whatever the NIL deal on the table is. 
Brent Hub, Sam Smith, 2233 outside of Jabari Small. Who else does the staff trust the most in terms of pass protection? I feel like that's just going to be something that's, you know, worked on every single day because I, I don't feel like it's a great trust right now, but that could change as the weeks go by. Well, I mean, look, I mean, where you're at outside of Small right now is two freshmen who've never done it before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's where you're at in the running back room. So, I mean, do, do, you, do they have full trust in – Dylan Sampson, who's been on campus two and a half months, no. Do they have trust in Justin Williams-Thomas? Probably not at this point, although he's been here longer. Um, you know, I, I mean, that trust is going to have to be earned, and the only way that's going to happen is they're going to go out there and play. I, I mean, I think there's – I mean, I think that's a concern there. That You have the same concern at the tight end position if, if you're not playing Jacob Warren or Princeton Fant. You know, that's why they're not going to take any chances with Jacob Warren here down the stretch of camp. He's a little banged up. They're not going to take any chances because, you know, when you talk about concerns and explosiveness of this offense, if you're not sure exactly what you're going to get at left tackle, you're going to have to slide protection to help to that side. Okay, well, then you you got two tight ends you trust, but if they're not in the game, who are you going to slide over there to help? If you don't have Jabari Small in the game, and, Jay, you know, I guess Jalen Wright knows what to do, but he was not very good at it a year ago. Where are you going to slide? How are you going to slide over and get some help with those guys? So um, I, I just think that that's, there's going to be some growing pains there. That's why Hendon Hooker's legs are going to be important. And I think getting the ball out of his hands is going to be important until those guys get better in pass pro. Jerry Mack works it every single day. Uh, and he talked about it earlier this week. He feels like those freshmen know where to look. They know what they're supposed to be seeing. Uh, but they've got to get all the fundamentals down so that they can handle the contact that comes, you know, with a blitzing uh, linebacker or, or a twist with a big defensive end or a big defensive tackle, all those types of things they never really had to encounter or deal with in high school. A couple of recruiting ones, one more from Sam Smith. Should uh, Tennessee expect to go uh, try to find a running back in the transfer portal market this year? I would assume that they're going to be looking Austin. Yeah, even if you get Roderick Robinson, I think you're going to end up, you know, going that route because – you just – you don't have enough bodies in the room, Hubber. I mean, like, I know it feels like it at times they have plenty of bodies, but, I mean, again, this is the same team that last year against Ole Miss gave Marcus Pierce legitimate carries, a walk-on in 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 that close football game. And, I mean, that's no knock on Marcus, Marcus Pierce. He was a walk-on for a reason. Like, you know, I mean, you just need more scholarship guys, which is hard because in today's world of college football, nobody wants to sit there and be – Options three, four, five. That that makes it really hard. I mean, it'll be fascinating to watch just all the jockeying across college football because you're going to see it more and more and more. The kids just don't want to sit there. I, I think Robin. Maybe I'm wrong with this, but but I think that position is going to be there's going to be more movement at that position, or as much movement at that position as any in college football in the transfer market. And I think there's going to be more contributing type players available in the transfer portal because they're just, I mean, those guys aren't, it's kind of like the NFL. I mean, you can find a guy in the NFL in the fifth in the fourth or fifth round who can be a really good player for you. I think you're going to be able to find a guy from a smaller school or from somewhere else, a guy who was in a bit of a log jam who maybe is not the five-star guy, but he's going to be able to be a good player for you. I think there's going to be a lot of those guys available, and I think you're going to see a lot of movement out of that position around the country every year. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And because of the nature of the position, I mean, you, see, you, know, you see a lot of injuries there where depth gets tested, but, I mean, how many teams are 
you know, really spreading the burden around to three guys. So, I mean, if you've got five scholarship guys, running backs on the roster and four and five are, are, are pretty good players, how motivated are they going to be to sit around and wait until they're, you know, a junior before maybe they're the guy when they can go somewhere and, you know, and I kind of think that's a, you know, anywhere you go, you have to learn the offense, but that, that is kind of a plug and play position. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're in the spring, if you're there in the spring and, and you, and you're talented and gifted, I mean, it's not like they're, I mean, that, that, that position success is so much about just instinct, I think, and God given ability. Joey yeah, Mack, 85, that. 81, wants to know Devin Hyatt. Any chance there, AP? They'll evaluate the senior film. I mean, I, I think that's the best thing Devin can do is just go out and ball. You know, I mean, the more he goes out and, and, and plays well, the more, you know, attention he's going to get, you know, from all schools. I uh, know you mentioned Mario Craver in the war room last week, Austin, but uh, any more 2024s other than him traction with, with Tennessee right now? Anything heating up there? No, not really. I mean, nothing imminent. I mean, you know, I think Tennessee's done a nice job with some 24s, getting them to campus, uh, whether it be for camp or for, you know, the the function there at the end of July. But, you know, I don't think anybody's real imminent. Brooks1972 has some eligibility questions in terms of how many more years left or some people to save everybody some trouble. Uh, Brooks, Joe Milton this this year and next year. This is it for Juwan Mitchell. Lynn J. Dixon has two more years. Tyler Barron has two more years counting this one. Warren Burrell has two more years counting this one as well. Uh, Deshaun 13, Tennessee's class has top-tier talent with several top 100 players. Florida has 18 four-stars, mainly ranked between 150 and 300. What type of class would you rather have? Anyone? One more button. One, one, go ahead, AP. I think we're going to stay safe. The one with the better quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, the, the one where, you know, the guys hit. I mean, I, I've seen – I mean, the number of four stars that come through that, that don't make it. I mean, you know, it, I, I just I, – listen, I understand the star system and I understand the the, the attraction all that. I'm not saying that Florida is going to whiff on half of their 18 four stars or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's about meeting your needs and, and, and you bet your evaluations better be right as an individual school, as an individual coaching staff. So – I don't know that there is an answer to that. I think it's more about meeting your needs. You better have a quarterback, Rob, and you better win in the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and there's – I mean, we've been doing this so long, however. I mean, we've seen so many busts, and on the flip side, so many three-stars, you know, turn into NFL players, like, you know, Cam Sutton or Ramon Foster. And on the flip side, Jonathan Conbo or Chris Donald or Kenny O'Neill or, you know, going – getting in the way-back machine. OJ Adam Myers-White. Just, I mean, I, I I know that you know people point to the NFL draft and say you know it, it, it the stars do matter, but man, there's there's an awful lot of bust and an awful lot of misses you know going the other way. Kids that were underrated. Well, I I think you know there's a portion of the fan base that's going to go well if we're not recruiting with Alabama Georgia, I mean, but Tennessee's not at that spot right yet, and so you you. You know, you have to, as Hub said, hit on your evaluations. You know, I mean, look at that last, that, you know, Jeremy's last class. How many of them are even here? I mean, and how many, and how many of those were four star guys? Yeah, correct. You know, I mean, look at Cody, Cody Brown was a four star, and everybody raved and just, just went bananas about Cody Brown. Cody Brown, to my knowledge, is still in the portal. 
and he left Miami. Maybe he's landed somewhere and I just hadn't seen it. But like, you know, Harrison Bailey was, you know, Mr. Five Star. Now, again, I think he, that hurt, killed him late when he won the state title and they bumped him. But even then, let's say he's a high four star. He's at UNLV. Is he going to win that job? I don't keep up with the running Rebels. But, I mean, like, it, there's plenty of instances like that. And then there are other guys. I mean, Jabari Small was a three-star. And Jabari Small is a pretty good little player. And, you know, there are several other guys just like that. Like I told somebody, whether it's on the board or on Twitter or whatever, uh, a few months ago, like a lot of the guys you were rooting for are three-stars. A lot of the guys that make Tennessee go are three-stars, including the quarterback. Want to get to a couple more here. We just got a couple of minutes left. Balls, 10, 24, and a couple others here on this forum. Uh, AP, any there, any smoke around a decommitment with Francis? A um, couple, couple of guys are asking about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I put this on the board. I talked to Francis. He said no. Could he be lying? Sure. I mean, I'll, you know, no prerogative. And you don't have to tell me anything. Um, uh, but I did reach out to him to see if anything was there. He said he had saw what, you know, uh, Corey Bender had posted and – you know, said it was not right. So, not, you know, take him for what it's worth. Again, could be wrong. It could be end up being out on the market. If he ends up back on the market, Tennessee will have interest, but so will a lot of schools. So, you know, all that is is reopen the can of worms. Pine MT wants to know, Rob Lewis, could this be a mid-level SEC defense, yes or no? I mean, I think yes, but I kind of, I mean, also think that's the ceiling. I mean, you're talking about a defense that was, I think, 12th in the SEC and give you know total total yards per game. They were dead last in in passing yards per game. Hubbard's already touched on it. You got to you got to get some pass rush to help help the secondary. But um, you know, I, th- I think the secondary will be better. I think you're a lot better at linebacker in, in terms of depth, quality depth. And to me, so much of it comes down to the defensive line. I mean, can they be a middle of the pack SEC defense? Yes, but they they really got to get some some stepped up play from from the trenches, in my opinion. And last one goes to loud noises. How hard is Tennessee trying to get in with Jerron Dickey? And how do you like Tennessee's chances uh, to at least get a visit from uh, Robinson? Of course, he already took he already came here unofficially uh, back in May, but getting him back on campus. I, I, I think Robinson will officially visit here this fall. I really do. I think he'll officially visit here this fall. I think he'll officially visit Georgia this fall. I think he'll see him take some trips. Um, you know, Dickey, you know, I mean, there's communication there. You know, too early for me to say that Tennessee's going to be a real factor. That'll do it here for this edition of the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Big thanks to you guys for submitting your questions like you do each And every week, big thanks to Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies. Three locations right here in East Tennessee, one in Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike. And uh, continue to push uh, the YouTube channel. A really strong push this week. It's looking great numbers-wise. So continue to support the site on YouTube. And, of course, all of our our stuff on the front page, ballquest.com, the general quarters, and a whole lot more. And if you are interested in sponsoring anything at VolQuest, feel free to contact Brent Hubs at VolQuest at AOL.com. We are always looking for people who would like to sponsor, whether it be the podcast, the Rocky Top Roundtable. Obviously, Craven Wings has become a great partner with the two-minute drill. And yep, yes, that is AOL.com. 
Yes, it is, and I will respond to you. So if you have any interest in partner up, we're always looking for new partners out there and uh, would love to have a conversation with you after you get through with your chuckles of AOL.com because it is a working email address, as this staff will attest to. Right, gentlemen? Breaking news right here on the VolQuest podcast. <laughs> AOL accounts still work. Hubbard, you, did you get the new CD-ROM to upgrade? <laughs> <laughs> I got 500-plus free hours when I put that CD-ROM right. in as well. Awesome. He's on the Windows 95, days. baby. That's Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, Rob Lewis. I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Mailbag Podcast. We'll be back again next week here on the pod. But until then, enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.